have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? You look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guys Day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 111, give or take. I don't really keep track. I just like to throw a number after each episode just to make it look like we know what we are doing. <laughs> of us on the show actually do. And let me introduce them to you. We've got way too major double F, major audio. It doesn't really matter, but he's here right beside me. Major, how are you doing tonight? I am good, happy to be on the show with the whole team. I mean, minus one, but we, with the core group here from the season, I'm messing that all up. I'm just trying to say I missed you guys. <laughs> well, it's good to get our group of three back together because joining us after a one-week absence, Tara Roberts at this time is back with us once again. Tara, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm getting back into the swing of football. Felt oddly guilty um, not talking about football for almost like two weeks. Like, very weird. Very weird. You miss it. It's a strange thing. But you know who likes to talk about football? Fantasy Points Media Group, who is bringing the Vipercast to you once again this week. Head over to fantasypoints.com right now. I mean, right now, right up into the Super Bowl. You can get 30%, that's 30% off that subscription. One of the best bang for your buck subscription services out there in all of fantasy football. That's fantasypoints.com. Do it right now. Now, things that we need to do right now, we need to talk about several huge news update type things. One happens to be what to do, Tara, with Aaron Rodgers. Is it too soon to start talking about Aaron Rodgers? Or can we talk about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it's we're going to talk about him. We're not going to talk about his <sighs> vaccination status because he wants no part of that right now because apparently he's been hearing plenty of that recently. But where do we go from here with Aaron Rodgers? Tara. Uh, um, I mean, it's, it's. I think we all kind of had to know this was coming, um, that maybe 2021 was kind of a one last hurrah and that he was likely going to be, I, I really don't anticipate him saying in green Bay, it would take financial miracles. They say that they're prepared to make things happen and keep everybody. But, you know, I think you kind of have to say that as an organization, you don't want to say like, okay, we can't keep everybody. Someone's going to go. <laughs> so unfortunately I think it's kind of just lip service right now. Um, so yeah, prepare, Prepare for the departure of Aaron Rodgers. The only thing I can say is that luckily I don't think he's going to pull a Brett Favre and drag this out for a ridiculous amount of time. So I think we'll get things tied up pretty quickly here. And that's a good thing if we can get things tied up maybe before we get head, uh, head into the draft and we don't have to linger. So, you know, get prepared. 
get prepared um, for those of you who are wanting to take the risk and keep him and think that he'll go to a good situation and can perform um, still at a high level um, or get prepared to maybe sell if you're a little bit skeptical. Well, one of the things for anyone listening right now is the Packers are about $40 million in the rear when it comes to the salary cap. There's only one team that's worse than them, and we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but if we see Aaron Rodgers go to the AFC, if that's a possibility, I know we've heard connections to the Steelers, to the Broncos, seem to be the most prolific teams that we hear in mentions of Aaron Rodgers. Does Rodgers become like the seventh best quarterback in that conference now? I mean, we talk about all the great quarterbacks right now. The Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Where does Aaron Rodgers truly stack up amongst these young signal callers in the AFC? Uh, I mean, for me, he's, I mean, he's still, he's still Aaron Rodgers. There's no physical decline or anything. I know he's a little, you know, of a higher age than a lot of those young, young guns over there in the AFC. Um, but in my opinion, you know, he's still, he's still one of those top guys. He's not somebody who, unless he goes to a, you know, destitute situation that you would want to aggressively drop in your ranking. So he's still, I'm, I'm, I'm still holding Pat where I have him. And then Major, over to you here. We just talked about $40 million being a bad number when it comes to cap. What's your thoughts on $74 million? And if you were a coach of a team that was $74 million in the hole, what are you doing? Are you just going to walk out and leave on this? Or are you going to pull like the Sean Payton? We're talking <laughs> Sean Payton here, who is not retiring, but he's certainly not coaching in New Orleans next season. Major thoughts? Yeah, I'm taking that uh, TV deal as soon as possible, especially with the quarterbacks. If you were in that much I shouldn't call it debt, but if you, if you didn't have any cap room and you have a really good quarterback, maybe you can salvage that. But without a quarterback and 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 so much without any cap room, you are screwed. So um, I think he did the smart thing. If I'm Miami, if I'm uh, anyone, you see, if you have a court, even if you have a coach, and that team is not that good, I'm going to make Sean Payton a deal he cannot refuse. I'm going to back up the Brinks truck to his house. I'm going to give him whatever he wants, make him the highest paid coach ever. Um, but, yeah, you want him in the system. And I think Miami should be that team that's really trying to give him anything he wants. Do you feel that maybe he did New Orleans dirty with that cap, with that restructuring and that new contract to Taysom Hill, and he's not even going to be there to watch the fallout of it going next season? Taysom Hill is the reason why he's leaving. I don't know if the the team kind of told him, like, hey, we need to get you up out of here. Or it, it seems like it was his decision, but you never know behind closed doors. But that that deal is, like, I think that's going to go down to one of the worst deals in Saints history. Yeah. Well, speaking of bad deals, thoughts on the overtime rule? We've been hearing all about overtime. Uh the game between the Chiefs and the Bills, maybe one of the best games we will see all season, literally came down to a coin toss simply because neither defense could stop the other team. There was no stopping Patrick Mahomes. There was no stopping Josh Allen. Literally, the team with the ball last was going to win. Tara, what were your thoughts on this overtime? Do we need to change these rules, or are we okay with saying, you know what, Buffalo, maybe get a stop here? 
I mean, even before this, I've wanted to change the rules. I really like college overtime. I can understand where that might be a little, um, I don't know. I mean, it's fun when you go into like a seven overtime, college overtime. But I mean, you could even adjust it for the NFL and maybe start them at the 50 and make them go a little bit further. So it's not realistic that, you know, you at least have to move the ball some in order to, you know, get the field goal kickers in range. But but yeah, I, I've been a proponent of wanting to change <clears throat> change the overtime rules because at this point it's just kind of ridiculous when you get I, I understand the concept of like, you know, the defense needs to stop them. But when you've got these two quarterbacks, these two prolific quarterbacks, clearly neither one of these defenses were going to be able to stop them. What defense at that point went with the hot streak that they were on at that point? What defense in the NFL was going to stop either one of them? So in my opinion, it really did come down to a coin toss. I, I do want to see the rules changed. Yeah, I, Major, I think your thoughts, should, sir. Yeah, I think we should each each team should have a chance to 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 score and then uh, have like a running clock or something like that, not a full quarter, but maybe do like half a quarter and and uh and see what happens. Just let them play it out, you know. It's more TV ratings, more money for them, like it's more revenue, so why not extend the games? Well, you know one way to avoid extending the game Bringing in the Rouge from the CFL. You kicked that ball through the end zone. That's one point for you right there. Let, let's add some more scoring. Okay, maybe not. Now, Tara, what was the biggest surprise for you from that divisional, those divisional matchups? Was there anything that you kind of pulled from that? Uh, yeah, you know, kind of an interesting surprise, really, um, just how incredibly balanced that Bengals offense was um, from a pass perspective. You had Jamar Chase with five receptions, 109 yards. T. Higgins with seven receptions, 96 yards. C.J. Uzama, seven receptions, 71 yards. And, you know, it wasn't like Burrow had an insane day. He was very good from a pass perspective, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't that 500, almost, you know, 500 yard game from previous, um, previously towards the end of the season. So when I look at this and I look at that balanced attack, the fact that everyone was able to get involved, be relevant, have good fantasy numbers, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing um, if they're going to re-sign Uzama and move forward with that core right there um because towards the end of the season he was really coming on a lot stronger in the beginning of the season he had those you know one game where he'd get a couple of touchdowns and then go back down to one target be completely irrelevant and so i'm kind of looking forward to seeing how he can fit in this offense moving forward and if he's there in 2020 um he's someone that could see an interesting uh boost in his uh, his value heading into 2022 it's nice that you brought up cj uzama's name because this is not just a uh, preview show for the championships. This is also going to be a little bit of a tight end special a little bit later, the little tight end watch list, a little dynasty tight end rankings coming a little bit later. But Major, what was your biggest surprise from the divisional round? I was super surprised that Jimmy G did not give that game away. He tried. He threw the pick. And there's a play that no one's talking about, but he it was a toss play. He tossed it to the running back. He threw it so hard, like the, the running back had to like, if he didn't catch that ball, it would have been all bad. But kudos to Jimmy G. He finally, like, did not throw away a game. And I'm proud of him for that. Like like a dad. Like a proud dad. <laughs> well, and for me, my biggest surprise is quarterbacks not having good games, but getting the victory. Jimmy G and the 49ers won a game against the Packers without scoring an offensive touchdown. Joe Burrow 
If you would have said Joe Burrow was going to get sacked nine times and throw an interception, there is no, put your hand up if you would have said the Bengals would have won. Now put your hand back down because you are full of it. There's no one who would have said that Joe Burrow being sacked nine times would have pulled out the victory. And there's no one that would have said that Jimmy Garoppolo would have got the win over Aaron Rodgers while not scoring an offensive touchdown. It's just silly to me to even think of that. But now, I mean, you go back to Aaron Rodgers' draft day. Sorry, Terry, to kind of keep ripping at the wound here. But he basically said the 49ers would regret not drafting him. Yet the 49ers are basically 4-0 against him. In fact, Aaron Rodgers is 11-10 and in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo... I'm not 100% sure. Don't fact check me here, but I think he's four and one in the playoffs in his career. So, I mean, did Jimmy Garoppolo really outduel Aaron Rodgers? I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe this is a perfect way to segue into some of our disappointments in the divisional round. So, I'm going to turn it over to you, Tara. Your biggest disappointment in the divisional round. Uh, you know, it's it's obvious for me, but before I uh, go into that, uh, Jimmy G <laughs> did not outduel Aaron Rodgers, but I will say, um, I low-key would love to see at this point, since Packers are eliminated, so I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, it would be kind of hilarious to see um, San Francisco make it to the Super Bowl, Jimmy G get the victory, and then uh, get shipped off as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Would that not be crazy? I kind of want to see it. <laughs> That's the smartest thing you ever said on the show, Tara. Good job. Oh, oh, I finally, finally made you know, Major happy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you got took a week off to really like process everything, and now you're coming back stronger. I like it. God, I miss you. Oh. I miss you. Guys. <laughs> Was there one thing in particular that? The Packers, you just have to shake your head at because I know that was your, your biggest disappointment was the Packers <laughs> as a whole. Yeah. But is there anything you can kind of zero that venom towards? I mean, it has to God, I'm not gonna disparage. Um, I'm not gonna disparage Aaron. You know, it's it's not a fantastic playoff record. He, you know, the performance wasn't fantastic. He might not say that he, you know, did Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen kind of things. But at the end of the day, that special teams was just outrageous. Uh, and, and you knew it was a problem. And you continued to let it roll as is, um, which is really the most, you know, shocking thing about that, that, you know, coaching wise, you could know that that was your weakness. The defense was incredibly improved. I feel like they just wasted um, a defense that really came through in a big way this season compared to prior seasons. Um, fantastic run game and all of that. And you just kind of literally gave the way with continued poor special teams performances. So it wasn't particularly shocking. It was just kind of like, yeah, you know, if it, if it was going to end this way, this seems like the way that it would have theoretically ended. So yeah, that was my, my biggest disappointment, unfortunately, because writing again, writing's kind of on the wall here with where this is heading now that they've lost prior to even getting to the NFC championship. Um, unfortunately. So yeah, that was definitely my biggest disappointment of the week. And Major, what would you like to write on the wall as your biggest disappointment from the divisional round? I I mean, all the games were great. I didn't really have any disappointments. I, I was trying really hard to figure this one out, but I, I was excited. You know, my Niners beat Terrace Packers. That, like, put a big smile on my face. Um, so I, there's – there's and your team is not even in it. So it was just like I felt good. Like, we're still – I got, like, what, three of my favorite teams still in the race? Like, I know what I'm doing here, guys. 
It's a lot of favorite teams. I, yeah. I know that. It's, yeah. That's why you have. That's why it's a blessing and a curse. Because you know, one hand, I have three teams that I really like that's in the in the like the final four, and now uh, I don't know who to pick for the winners. So you know. <laughs> And for me, with, with no dog in the fight, I mean, how could I really be disappointed? Three teams went on the road, pulled off huge victories. Every game was three points or less. Had you on your edge of your seat. If you could even sit down for these games. But I guess if I was to single in all my disappointment into one area. Major, who did you pick to win that 49ers-Packers game? I picked the four. Uh, no, I picked the – who did I pick? The – you picked the Packers, so I'm disappointed yeah. in you <laughs> not riding with your team. That's it was a win-win for me. Well, he's I, got I, three I, favorite teams, so he had I, so many choices no. of who he could have rode with. Listen to the brain well, see, power here. If you've got brain three power. teams and you don't pick your team to win, are they really one of your favorite teams? Does that mean yeah, the because Packers are one of his favorite teams? It's a little like reverse psychology or like just super brain mm -hmm. power. It's a win-win for me. You know, if my team wins, they win. If the Packers win, I win. Like it, it was one of those. I, I I played the odds. I come on, guys. You gotta you gotta catch up. Come on, guys. Come oh, on. it's like his it's like his bold predictions. They were always like ones where theoretically he couldn't lose, but yeah, yeah but he, he did a lot. <laughs> All right, let's continue on with the show. Well, speaking of never being able to lose, I think as fans, we are in for a decade of excitement when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. If that <laughs> divisional game has any indication of what the next 10 years are like, we are buckle your seatbelts, get your popcorn, do all that fun stuff because this is going to be exciting. Is Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, this generation's Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Now I put this over to you, Tara. I think it's better. Um, no offense to Tom Brady whatsoever, um, talent-wise. But during his tenure at New England, for the vast majority of it, were you ever going into a draft saying, man, I really got to target Tom Brady here? Um, I, I don't think that we ever were really doing that. Um, well, fantastic, sure. quarterback, fantastic quarterback. Fantastic um, quarterback. Just within the confines of the New England system, it never really called for him to you know, have that aggressive level of production really that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have. So when I look at those two guys battling it out right now, I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a better battle moving forward. I'm excited to see it. They're two guys who um, can literally and do literally take over their teams and they have the ability to do that. Um, Tom Brady has that ability now in Tampa Bay, but unfortunately he just didn't really have much of that in new England. So I, I, I love it. It's a, uh, I, I, I really love where this is heading moving forward. Throwing shade at the goat. It's not then, shade. Did he, was he really like in new England? Was it really just an aggressive offensive firepower well, from a pass Moss, perspective? When he had Moss. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, I mean, right. yeah, he, for the most part, I mean, he was lucky to get, you know, every now and then the receivers that he did, they really weren't trying to let him just go off the way that they do with Patrick Mahomes. Then, Major, your thoughts on this uh, Allen versus Mahomes, this Manning versus Brady type scenario moving forward? I think it's still a little bit too early to determine if it's going to be great or not. But uh, uh, if they continue at this rate, yeah, uh, for mostly the facts that uh, Tara was saying about, you know, just even the way that 
NFL is now is a passing league. So, you know, they are throwing a ball at a way higher clip than Manning and, and Brady did. And when they were doing it, we thought they were throwing it at a way greater clip. So, and, and but I do think we do have to show some love to all the other quarterbacks in AFC. That's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be a revolving door. You have Herbert, you have Burrow, you have Allen, you have Jackson. So I think it's going to be like, maybe Mahomes versus everybody, you know, so we'll, we'll see. I think it'll be a rotating team every year, every other year. It'll be interesting to see what's going on uh, in these quarterback battles, but we are in good hands. Like we, we're going to see some good quarterbacks in these next, you know, next 10 years. And for me, it's, it's the bills and the chiefs. They're the two top teams to beat. I think year in and year out when it comes to the AFC East, uh, that's just the way I think it is right now. And, it's starting to feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to continue to get the better of Josh Allen. It, it's been that way for last last year. Now this year, just like Brady always seemed to get the best of Peyton Manning there. Eventually, Josh Allen's going to get one. It's going to happen. Let's be honest there. Now, is Joe Burrow the Dan Marino or the Aaron Rodgers of our <laughs> generation? And I mean that is because he's on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl. Marino got there once. I think it was his second season. Never again. Aaron Rodgers got to the Super Bowl, won it once, never again. Is Joe Burrow heading in that line? I don't know. That's for another show altogether. I just wanted to throw <laughs> yeah. it out there. As we head into what we learned from that divisional round, Tara, what did you learn? Uh, what did I learn from that divisional round? I kind of think that, you know, one of the interesting things, and you know, and I guess, you know, everybody and their mother is talking about it on Twitter, um, which is, you know, my kind of my point on that one. It's going to be, uh, we've learned that Gabe Davis's ADP is going to fluctuate wildly during the off season. And the takes on him are going to be, I am all in, I am all out. It's all over the place. He's going to be drafted by somebody ridiculously high. And then, then the next league just completely faded. Uh, it's going to be fun to see. I think, you know, I, I love it when you have those guys that are just incredibly polarizing and you get to see people just hashing it out, debating and different philosophies on it. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it heads with him. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at one of the lists there about receivers to have four plus touchdowns at 200 yards. It's like Jerry Rice, he did. He had five touchdowns at 200 yards. But the rest of the names on that list don't exactly scream Hall of Fame potential. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the list right in front of me. I kind of glanced across it on the Twitter there when it came up. But you look at that list, it's it's not a who's who of receivers, even though it's an impressive feat altogether. Now, Major, what was the thing that you learned here back in the divisional round? Yeah, just to add to Terrence, I was big on, on Gabe Davis this season. And then they picked up Sanders and he just kind of disappeared. I don't even know what happened. Was he like hurt half the season? Because I you yeah, didn't hear Gabe, you didn't hear his name at all for the most part. Um, but every now and then he would, you know, give you a touchdown here and there, but nothing spectacular. But I do see him being that guy next year. So hopefully, I don't know how high I'm gonna take him, but I think he'll be all right. But what I learned is Debo's the best running back in the playoffs, man. I'm I love Debo. He's like my favorite player of like all time right now. He's like creeping up there with Warwick Dunn because the guy is just I I see when he's running a ball, he's not running a ball as a wide receiver would. Like say how Tyreek Hill comes around on these like sweeps and stuff. Like he's just running as fast as he can to the open hole. Debo is actually setting up blocks, running through people. Uh, 
he's playing running back at a professional clip. You know what I mean? Like he's not he he's not a right receiver to me. He's the best running back in a playoff. With all the respect to my guy Mixon, like Mixon is one of my favorites. The just his running style is dope. But Debo to me is if we just made him a running back today, I think he would be like up there with Jonathan Taylor and and the other guys you want to put up there. It was funny because with his yards per carry average of about 6.2 in the regular season, if you gave him Devin Singletary-type usage, so 188 carries, give or take, I think Debo Samuel would finish as the eighth highest running back as far as yardage was concerned. Mm, nice. I mean, just to kind of put things into perspective. Nice now, little stat there, Mike. Good job, dude. Yeah, I did it for a video or something, so I had it written down eventually. Now, the one thing I learned right now is, I'll be honest, I'm a better dancer than Jackson Mahomes. <laughs> does that Come on does that now. mean that does that mean we're getting you on tiktok please no hey please you know what it, it could be it could be no. but we might call it the the dingus dance off TikTok oh, show there. that's we're a good the, name uh, you know he's been thinking about it that's a pretty good name he's been thinking about it the dingus dance well, off the dancing you vipers it, you can go back in there i can bust out a pretty mean uh reverse worm so you know, we, we can have a little bit of fun with that. Now, let's get into some predictions here for these championship games. Starting with the AFC, we've got a rematch in which the Cincinnati Bengals won the first go-around, but that game was in Cincinnati. This game is an arrowhead. Chiefs, Bengals, Tara. I am doing something very innovative here with my prediction, and I am literally, um, I'm literally flipping the scenario. I think that the Chiefs are going to win this time instead of losing 31 to 34. They're going to win 34 to 31. Um, you know, I, I still think it's going to be a fantastic game. I have the utmost confidence that Joe Burrow will perform to a high level. Um, we'll get great offense on both sides. But when you look at that prior game. Um, he had to, I mean, he, he threw 30 of 39, 446 yards, four touchdowns, a fantastic feat. The likelihood of that happening again in order to get that three-point victory over Kansas City, I don't see it happening. So in my opinion, I think he'll come slightly back down to reality on earth in terms of those statistics, and that'll give the edge there to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Major, point, counterpoint. Uh I man, Terra Point is the reason that I was leaning towards the Chiefs because it's kind of hard to, you know, what does he say, strike lightning in a bottle twice or whatever. Is is it's gonna be hard. He like Joe Bro played like a perfect game. He was 30 for 39, 446 yards, four TDs. Um Jamar Chase exploded. 11 receptions, 244-yard, three touchdowns. So I think the key to this game is going to be Joe Mixon, and I think the Bengals are going to win 28-27. to 27. Now, normally I would kind of I, – I could support you here a little bit. Shadavius Ward, he went in there and he shut down Stephon Diggs last week. I think he held him to three catches for seven yards. Again, you mentioned Jamar Chase, 266 receiving yards. There was no stopping Jamar Chase – Back in that, what was it, week six, 17 contest. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to stop this week. I think get, get your popcorn ready. This is going to be Bills, Chiefs all over again. And you know what? Hootie! 
Get your skyline chili ready for this one. Cincinnati, you are going to the Super Bowl. I'm calling it right now. 36-33 Bengals. I'm all in on Joe Burrow, at least to get to the Super Bowl. Does he get there again after this after this season? I don't know. But <laughs> oh, and let me add also, I think, I think ignorance is bliss. Like, I don't think the Bengals even know what they're doing. They're just, like, having fun and playing. And to me, that's super dangerous. It's a... A lot of pressure on the Chiefs to like to get there again, you know. So uh, they they they're just playing with house money right now. So the banks have a great opportunity to shock a lot of people. So we've got we got Terra taking the Chiefs 34-31. Yes. We got Major taking the Bengals in an upset 28-27. And then we've got myself taking Hootay Nation 36-33. Icky shuffling all the way to Southern California to Los Angeles to the Super Bowl to take on our winner of the NFC Championship. Tara, we've got round three, round seven. I don't know how you want to describe <laughs> it between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers won both these games this year. They won the two before that. Actually, they won the two before those two. They're coming in on a six-game winning streak against the Rams. Tara, who do you got in this contest? You know, I, I I get the logic of, you know, the Rams, they gotta get one, but it's something about Kyle Shanahan has a chokehold on these young coaches <laughs> for some reason. I mean, just um, you know, that you know, that horde of guys kind of, you know, the McVeighs, the you know, Matt LaFleur, the um Cliff Kingsbury, for some reason in that whole little grouping, Kyle Shanahan just has he just has their number in general. Um, and it, it, you know, it pains me to admit that because he drives me crazy from a fantasy perspective, but I just have, I, I think he is again going to pull out the victory here. Um, I'm saying San Francisco 23 to 16. You get yourself a close one. And I love how you mentioned that little connection between McVeigh and Shanahan back when both of them were coaches in Washington, the offensive coordinator was Shanahan. The tight ends coach was McVeigh. And somewhere in there, I think LaFleur might have been the quarterback's coach there. So that's where all that connection kind of comes together yeah. in Washington. Major, who do you have? I'm going to go with the Rams. It's really hard to beat a team three times in one season. Like, that is one. That's a really <laughs> hard thing to do. So I'm, I'm leaning on that. It was super close for me, though. I love both of these teams. Um, They're but both your favorite of, teams, right? They're both my favorite teams, along with the Bengals <laughs> and along with the uh, the Chargers as well. Um, but it's I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks and who is going to like turn over the ball the least. There's going to be turnovers, but we, like, who's going to do it the least? Um, just the average between the two, the yardage in both of the games. Like uh, who's this here? Who do I have here? Oh, Jimmy G is at 249 yards. And Maddie is at 240 and a half yards. Um, Jimmy G's thrown three touchdowns. Matt is thrown four. But Matt has followed that four touchdowns up with four interceptions. And Jimmy G has followed his three touchdowns with two. So to me, that's a pretty even, you know, they're zeroing each other out. But um, I don't know. It really depends. Whoever has the least amount of turnovers in this game is going to win the game. But I'm going to give it to the Rams to play the Super Bowl at home. That's going to be awesome. There is no way 
the Rams are going to let the 49ers change in their dressing room. Zero <laughs> percent chance of that happening. Now, I will break this games down as well as the Bengals and the Chiefs here. Probably Thursday when my uh, my primetime previews come out for both these matchups. I've already got all the paperwork done. I talked about a lot. But for me, it comes down to that offensive line. Nick Bosa, two sacks last week. Absolutely wreaked havoc that week 18 game. The 49ers got to Matt Stafford five times. I think they hit him like 13 times. Eric Armstead, six sacks in the last four games. Now on the flip side, Trent Williams tweaked that ankle. That's something to keep an eye on for the 49ers. And you can't have a chink in the armor there when it comes to facing this Rams pass rush. Aaron Donald, uh, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd. These guys can get after the quarterback as well as anybody. I think they're third in the league in sacks in the regular season. For me, the streak has to end. There's no way that it makes it seven in a row. Now, you mentioned how hard it is to beat a team three times in a season. It's actually pretty easy. I mean, since oh, the merger in 1970. It was hard. No, no, I know you said it's hard. I'm telling you, it's actually pretty easy. <laughs> since 1970, the merger, 20 teams have faced a divisional opponent in the playoffs after beating them twice in the regular season. 13 of those teams won the third matchup. That is 65% of the teams have gone on to win all three matchups in a season. Absolutely mind-blowing stat right there. Stolen from ESPN or somewhere. I stole it. I saw it. I had to use it because, I mean, it's unfathomable. But, hey, you were around when Steve Young played against the San Diego Chargers, and you remember getting that monkey off my back kind of thing. This is the Rams doing the same thing. They're going to go in and get that monkey off the back because they're not going to let the 49ers use their dressing room and celebrate in Southern California at the Super Bowl. Plus, Matt Stafford, he is a player of destiny. In the playoffs, you you talked about those two games against San Francisco in the season. He struggled against both of them. I'll admit that. The first eight games of the season, there may not have been a better quarterback. And looking at what he's done in the playoffs – He's been very good so far in the playoffs. I'll mention about, I'll talk about that here later on in this week. But I'll tell you one thing what you can't do against Matt Stafford is blitz him. He's like a 139.6 rating against the blitz all season long, which is the best of any quarterback in the National Football League. So that's kind of how I break that down. And by the way, two good tight ends. George Kittle finally got on the right side of the stat sheet here in the last game of the division round. And Tyler Higby's mm-hmm. been playing some pretty good ball in the playoffs. I use that term loosely in the playoffs because he was struggling mightily down the stretch. Got it right. And just as I do that and we segue into the next part of the show, we are going to talk about our tight end watch list. So stick stick around. More on that here in just a second. And welcome back from our short commercial break, which was really just me hitting the gong here and moving along. Hey, if you don't know much about Fantasy Points Media Group, I'm telling you what, these are some of the best podcasts you may or may not have heard of so far. Starting with the True North Fantasy Podcast, Travis and Ty, they knock it out of the park each and every week. Then we have the Dynasty Happy Hour. Tyler and his crew there every week. Dynasty Happy Hour, you do not want to miss that show and then the P2W Fantasy Podcast with Nick Script Major. You know Nick from your, your shows there on Sunday mornings there on the Fantasy Points. Another great show you do not want to miss. 
and Smokey Hell Nelson brings the smoke each and every week with the Smoke Show, another podcast on the family uh, podcast here on the media group. You want another one? How about the injury prone podcast with Edwin Porras? Big news here recently released. He is now a trainer with the Minnesota Twins. You've got a fantasy point. Fantasy guru now working with the Minnesota Twins and talking injury analysis. You get it right here with the Fantasy Points Media Group each and every week. And we've got a couple new ones here with the Triple Play Fantasy Group as well. I'm telling you what, right now, you want some of the best names in sports, whether it's analysts or pro athletes. These guys get them on their show. Do not miss the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast. And, of course, Campus to Canton with Austin and Colin. They bring it as well, talking all that college football. And stay tuned because there's more to come from the Fantasy Points Media Group. I promise you this. And as always, head to FantasyPoints.com. Get that 30% off that subscription today, right up into that Super Bowl. But now let's get into the tight end watch list. As we go into the tight end edition of the show here, all tight ends, all day. Everyone loves talking tight ends. But who are some of those tight ends that we are trading away in 2022? Tara, let's kick it off to you. Tight ends all day. Is so <laughs> yes, I, think, I agree. Um, I love tight. Yeah, I would say tight ends might actually be my favorite position. Um, yeah, Try, tight ends I'm trading away. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be Tyler Higby. Sorry. Um, he's actually, you know, he ended off the season on a much stronger note than he had um, the vast majority of the season. He's having a decent playoffs, and I would say you might want to take advantage of that perception while you can and get out because I do not think that you will get production moving forward higher than what it is right now um, at this point, unfortunately. I think you kind of got to take uh, advantage of that recency bias and hope that people forget all of those games where he had like one, two receptions, Mm -hmm. um, low productivity, very unusable. Um, and we don't have a history of him being one of those top guys, you know, like a, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, Kittle, Waddle, Waddle ooh, all kinds of tongue tied. You can't really say those three things fast. Um, you guys know what I mean. But uh, but yeah, unfortunately, it's it's Tyler Higby. I, I take advantage of this little uptick right here and trade him away. And then Major, over to you, who is that tight end that you're looking on moving on from here in 2022? If you watch our other shows, you know I typically go young. So Travis Kelsey, yeah, you got to go. My guy is like, what, 34 years old, 39? How old is he? Like, he's. Oh, well, that's. I don't know if he's 39. He's the same age as Matt. That's old. So, um, yeah. So he's. uh, I think he does have a few more years left in, in the tank. So you can capitalize on that. And he is arguably the best tight end in the game. So you can get some stuff in return. Like, See how much you can get, you know, get a young tight end and get some uh, trade bait and all that good stuff. So, Travis Kelsey, sorry, bro, but you got to go just because of your age, man. Not on my dynasty team. Side uh, side note, just in case for some reason Travis Kelsey listens to this one particularly show, particular show, um, Travis Kelsey is actually number one tight end in my heart. So just ignore oh what Major God. just said. Um, just ignore. I only have I only have one favorite team. I only have one favorite team in Green Bay, but my favorite tight end doesn't have to come from Green Bay. My favorite tight end is Travis Kelsey. If you're listening, well, that's that's mostly because you haven't actually had a tight end in Green Bay, and like, have you ever? What was it? So, Slander, 
Don't slander <laughs> Bubba Franks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we got to go back a little bit there. And even Bubba Franks was kind of on the borderline, maybe more of a cult yeah. classic kind of yeah. uh, for the Green Bay Packers. But it's been a while. I mean, Robert Tunyon had his, he had a moment there, but not so yeah. much. Now, Major, mm-hmm. I know we've talked about this with running backs, and it's better to get out a year or two early than be stuck holding that bag a year or two too long. I think yes, that's sir. kind of what you're getting at here with Travis Kelsey. There's still two, three, maybe even four good years with Kelsey. So right now you've still got the highest value of the asset moving forward until you don't. And it doesn't <laughs> take much for you to drop off, right? So for me, I'm going to look at two more aging assets here, two more free agents. And I'm talking about Rob Gronkowski because I don't even know if he's coming back this year. We're already hearing Tom Brady possibly retiring we we're get, it's that time of the season where is he or is he not he's probably going to be back let's be honest but Gronk he's already retired once there's a chance he could retire a second time who knows where that's going to go and then the other one I know he had a rebirth there found the fountain of youth in Arizona Zach Ertz for me is another guy I think he's still got some value based on his name where you can still uh, pedal him off for a little something, something, maybe a little draft capital there. But again, another one of those aging assets, I'm ready to move on and be stuck holding that bag before there's no more value and you're stuck with maybe a Robert Tunyon type tight end on your dynasty rosters. <laughs> now, I know we, we're talking older for the most part for these tight end positions of players we're getting rid of. We want to acquire something new, something younger. Tara, who is that young tight end? that you have eyes for? It's got to be Pat Fryermuth. I mean, I, I think there's just so much upside with him. I'm not afraid of the quarterback landscape changing there in Pittsburgh because, you know, I mean, there's only, you know, there's two directions it'll go. They'll, you know, bring in a veteran possibly, or they'll go ahead and hit the draft and, you know, start over fresh with someone new. And with, you know, young quarterbacks, they tend to rely on tight ends as safety blankets. Um, I think that Pat Fryermuth's position within that offense is very solidified now. Eric Ebron is a free agent. I don't even think that's really much of a threat anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Pat Fryermuth is really just a guy who I, I love targeting in, in Dynasty right now. I like that because we – is the situation actually going to be worse without the 2022 version of Ben Roethlisberger under center? I mean, yeah, okay, Mason Rudolph is questionable. Mason but really, is the drop-off – I know Steelers fans are going to probably be coming after me here, but is the drop-off really that much from whatever you're going to bring into than what we saw this season from Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, he was a shell of himself. Yeah. That's which may have been really good for Pat Fairmuth. Let's be honest. <laughs> at Matt Donnelly FF, please do not come at me. Go <laughs> to the horse. By the oh. way, Mason Rudolph is one of Major's favorite quarterbacks. So, Major, who's that tight end oh, you're trying to <laughs> Uh, I was going to go Pat as well, but Tara Gatto before me. So, I'm going to go with Noah Fan. Remember Noah Fan? He was a Cal Pitts before Cal Pitts. When he was, he ran that fast 40 time. He was like amazing, looked good with his shirt off and all that good stuff. And has really panned out, you know. And I don't think it's his fault. I think it's it's been some suspect quarterback play there. Um, and we can even say some play calling as well. So I'm going to give him one more shot. I think this is going to be the year that he breaks out. So you might want to go and grab him up and 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 eat on those dividends. I think he was third year, right? Usually tight ends uh start to break out in their third year if that's still a rule. I think that's how I play fantasy still anyway. 
But um, yeah, I went with Noah Fant. You know, he's just an athletic freak, and I just think he needs an opportunity. And let's see if the new quarterback will do it. It's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know if I'll go that far, but I'm talking for me. I'm going to a team in which I believe in the quarterback, and I may be in the minority here, but I still believe in Jalen Hurts. I really believe Hurts is a still top ten fantasy viable quarterback in Canada. And that connection that he had <laughs> with Dallas Goddard—it's a real thing. Mostly because there's nothing else other than Devonta Smith there with Philadelphia, unless Philadelphia goes out there and gets themselves a London Drake or a Traylon Burks or something like that through the draft, which I can't see them doing because their success and their hit rate at the wide receiver position in the first round has not been good. It's got that kind of Detroit Lions drafting a wide receiver pre-Megatron type feel to it right now in Philadelphia. So for me, I still think that Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts connection is going to work moving forward. I went on record. I did a video. I still believe in Jalen Hurts. Therefore, I believe in the talent of Dallas Goddard. So give me Dallas Goddard as a guy I'm looking to acquire here in the offseason. Now, as happy and as excited as I am over Dallas Goddard, there are some players that disappoint me at the tight end position. We talk about this this season in fantasy as being a complete wasteland when it comes to fantasy points. Predicting from one week to another was an absolute crapshoot for the most part, with the exception of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Outside of that, you were really playing with your betting house money and more often than not, coming up on the losing end. Now, who's that player for you, Tara, that's going to disappoint in 2022? Um, now, this is not to say that I think, you know, not to knock him, but I think in comparison to where, you know, again, he'll be drafted in to where I think that level of consistency and production that you'll get out of him during the season, uh, for me, it's going to be George Kittle. Unfortunately, I think, you know, with him, we get, you know, really enamored by those games where he's, you know, got double digit um, targets and receptions over 100 yards. He looks fantastic, incredibly dominating force when he's on the field. Um, but again, you know, unfortunately, you do sometimes have, you know, issues with injuries with him on a yearly basis. And then when you look at the consistency level, um, it's a little bit different um, than you know, like a Travis Kelsey to where he is, you know, consistently game after game um, at the very least, the number two target in that offense. Whereas with San Francisco, it bounces on a regular basis. Um, we see the dominance of Debo. I don't think that's going to change um, as him being the number one option there. We've seen Brandon Ayuk come on a little stronger um, as the season went forward as well. I would expect that to continue into 2022. And I think that, that just is going to leave Kittle with a little bit less consistency than I would like to see out of a guy that I'd be drafting as my top five tight end, because that's where you have to draft him in order to get him. So I think for where you draft him to what you're going to get, you might be a slightly disappointed, um, especially with the new quarterback situation uh, next season. I can get in step with that there, because we did see George Kittle disappear for a period of time here this season. With that offense, with the 49ers going, Trey Lance coming possibly under center, Jimmy Garoppolo era kind of being ushered out. Things are certainly going to change there in San Francisco. Now, one of the players that you and Major seem to agree about here a little bit, Art, is Tyler Higby here. Major, you mentioned him as that player that's kind of a, the tight end that's going to be disappointing to you in 22, 2022. Why is that? 
because he was disappointed to me in 2021. <laughs> I was big. Like he does this every, well, not every season, but the last yeah. two seasons. Mm -hmm. I, last year, he ended on a big, I picked him up everywhere. I have him on every team. Gave me nada. Oof. And he's doing it again. Do not fall for this guy. Everyone, <laughs> fantasy people, listen to me. If you've never listened to me before, do not fall for the shenanigans of Tyler Higby. He looks like, I don't know, like Mark Andrews right now in the playoffs. Do not fall for it. Tara's going to hit you up and be like, hey, you want this Tyler Higby for a first round? Or you're going to be like, yeah, you're going to take it and you're going to feel so dumb later. Do not do it. Please. With all due respect, Tyler, you're a good player, but you just boned me a couple times there, buddy. Every year, we manage to find this one tight end that rises from the ashes like a phoenix. Last year, and this is a segue into a little bit later, it was Logan Thomas. No one saw the season coming from Logan Thomas. This year, raise your hand and then put it back down because you're lying again. It was Dalton Schultz. No one had Dalton Schultz as a put your hand down, Tara. <laughs> no one had Dalton Schultz as the tight end four. And like Logan Thomas, who happened to disappear mostly because of injury this year, I think Dalton Schultz is going to be that guy who disappoints you next season. I think you're. I don't say he's going to get injured. I just think there's going to be some serious regression in that offense. I think things are going to change there in Dallas. I mean, they have to after the playoffs. Maybe they run more QB draws. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't think Dalton Schultz is going to repeat what he's he had done for you too. in 2022. Yeah, he's a free agent as well. I wonder if he's going to like go after the money. Jerry will pay him. Jerry pays everybody. He'll, fi he'll figure out a way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not too sure if he is a free agent. I have to double check on that. Triple check, but again, yeah. We don't fact check on this show, so it doesn't really matter. Now, I think I, I kind of threw a nice little softball over to you, Terry, here. Who is that player who you're thinking is going to bounce back in 2022? You did. You threw me that Logan Thomas softball. I am still a believer. I still believe he is going to bounce back. Yeah, we were highly disappointed. But as you mentioned, um, this year, unfortunately, it was due to injury, um, not due to like a Robert Tanyan kind of disappearance before his injury um, ended his season as well. But I think with Logan Thomas, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stay pat. I'm going to keep the faith, um, recognize he is a little older. So do keep that in mind. But um, I don't think that Washington is going to aggressively change the way that they operate from an offensive perspective. They will change some personnel. But in terms of the way that they like to operate with their tight end position, it's just a volume play there with Logan Thomas. The fact that he will be on the field for vast majority of snaps, we'll see a certain amount of targets. So, you know, in where you where you draft him or where you're um, able to acquire him for super cheap. So, um, so in my opinion, I think, you know, Logan Thomas is that guy who could, you know, have a decent little bounce back um, volume play next season. Major, who's bouncing back for you at the tight end position? I'm going Darren Waller. Um, even before, I think he would miss four or five games this year um, due to injury. And then um, even before that, he was doing okay. But it's kind of hard to be that dominant tight end where you're like tripled, quadrupled, 11, how do you say 11th, 11th team? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone was focused on him when you played the Raiders. But now that you have emerging players coming on, it might back a couple of people up and maybe you can get a receiver maybe out of free agency and another young one or something. 
to kind of balance this offense out a little bit. And Waller can get back to being that guy that everyone fell in love with the year before, or, you know, a couple years before. When you mention emerging players, do you mean some of the best route runners in the National Football League? That's why I didn't even say his name. That's why I didn't say his name, because you guys are going to piss me off. But, yeah, go ahead. I just got to make sure Hunter Renfro, whose name gets in the show at least once per uh, week. Um, We love him. We love him. Best route runner in the league. My bounce back for 2022 at a tight end position is one of its Terra Time special players that we talk about ahead of the 2021 season. He was just released on my Dynasty mustache list here as well. I just did a seven-minute video. Check it out on the Vipers Network. little self-promotion, never hurt anybody. It's Irv Smith Jr. Get him now before the hype train takes off like it does every single August when everyone talks about him as their breakout player. We've been waiting for him to break out for two, three seasons now. He's going into his fourth year. He's going into his free agency year. This is his last year under contract. Look for him to secure that bag this year. Look at what Tyler Conklin did. I think it was 61 receptions, something like 87 targets, just under 600 receiving yards. This is something that Irv Smith Jr. can do. I mentioned it on the video a little bit earlier. The last six games in which he played, he had scored five touchdowns. Now, he missed three games of the last nine or however that went in the 2020 season because of injury. Obviously, he missed the whole uh, season this year because of a meniscus injury here, which kind of was a real weird one because there's no way to actually pinpoint when it actually happened. But, hey, Irv Smith Jr. is a guy that I am looking for having a huge bounce back. I'm not going to call him a sleeper because everyone should know he's there because we've been talking about him breaking out for three years now. Now, (laughs) I can't even consider him under the radar. But right now, he seems to be because nobody's talking about him. This is the time to go get him. Well, everyone's... Dynasty never sleeps, and you shouldn't be sleeping on Irv Smith Jr. right now. Go get him. Now, Tara, under the radar, who's another forgotten player? I kind of used Irv Smith as an example there. Give me another one. Uh, Love Irv Smith. Uh, Under the radar player, I'm going to go with Cole Komet. Um, You know, from a a fantasy perspective, it was not – fantastic this year because unfortunately he uh he kind of had a miles sanders situation where he just couldn't get a single touchdown uh and you know for some reason they're still very intent on exclusively targeting jimmy graham in the end zone which is odd to me because they're the same size i'm not sure what the advantage is there in terms of height and end zone targets but you know hey whatever i hope um maybe some coaching situation changes are going to adjust that but when you look at cole Komet, i mean he's He's 22 years old. <laughs> he is such a promising prospect for the future. And I think he's got a lot of great years ahead of him. We saw a lot of good target share from them or from him towards the end of the season there. And that was with Allen Robinson coming back. That was with Darnell Mooney looking fantastic. I think he has a place in this offense. If he can just actually be allowed to be on the field when they actually get in in the red zone that would be fantastic because that's the only thing missing from his game i think that he's you know someone that could break out next year do you think dan quinn likes tight ends i'm just gonna throw that out here right now because (laughs) who who knows where that's gonna go but major talk to us about another big tight end that you're big on yeah i'm gonna go with another golden domer i'm gonna go with tommy tremel um the guy is probably the best blocking tight end already in the game in his first year 
Um, and he flashed a little bit. He had a game here and there. He ended the season with 20 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, modest numbers, but for any tight end to give you any production their first year, to me, that's a plus. Um, like I said, I still play with that tight end three-year rule. So uh, I'm looking for him to actually be more advanced because um, you have um, – what's his name? Is it Irv Smith? He's not Irv Smith. What's the uh, – Ian Thomas. He's going to be out of there uh, this year. So he's going to be their number one tight end if they don't go grab someone in free agency. Um, and that quarterback situation, it looked like they're, they're, they're on Sam Darnold. They came out and said they're sticking with Sam Darnold. Um, he looked pretty good to begin the season, but I think a tight end, having that tight end – clutch is uh, a crutch is going to be really good for 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 that team so i think tommy tremble is going to actually start to show you guys the receptions that the, his receiving ability um to add with that blocking and be one of those uh top tight ends and another top tight end another one of my dynasty mustaches is brevin jordan of the houston texans another kid i absolutely love athletic freak can do it all yeah. You watch what he did towards the end of the season. You mentioned young rookies. It takes them a while to kind of get their feet wet in the National Football League. Revan Jordan basically took over that tight end position as the year went on. And let's be honest, volume is key. There's not the targets going around in Houston right now. Uh, you got Brandon Cooks, and then you've got maybe Nico Collins. We don't know what Nico Collins is quite yet. He may be the number two option. Or is Brevin Jordan that number two option? I'm willing to... Bank on Brevin Jordan having a good season next year. Not maybe a huge one, but I think we're about to get that Brevin Jordan breakout next year going into 2023. I think Brevin Jordan is going to be one of those names we hear about. Uh, Tara, you're down in that Houston area there. I'm sure his name's kind of come up a few times as well as someone that they're looking forward to seeing what he can do moving forward for the Texans. Yeah, I really love that. I mean, got, you know, all three of those young tight ends. I think we're kind of heading the right direction in there in terms of dynasty. Go ahead and grab those guys up. Um, obviously Friermuth is the most expensive of the three, but you really setting yourself up for, for victory with going ahead and investing in those young guys. And speaking of investing, we always want the newest thing coming in and new faces, new places. There's a lot of free agent tight ends out there and there's a lot of needy teams that could really use a good solid tight end moving forward. We talk about teams like Tennessee, the chargers definitely could have used one. I mean, there's teams upon teams that could use a good tight end. Tara, who is that tight end that you'd like to see move to another location? You know, it's funny. It, it, it is weird. I don't know if it's recency bias or what, but it does seem like we have an odd amount. I was going through like free agents, uh, make just making a list of like, you know, free agents heading into the um, off season for these teams. And there just seem like an odd amount of tight ends that are hitting the market all at once. So we could see a bunch of guys swapping around. Um, and Hayden Hurst is one of those guys. Um, you know, unfortunately, he kind of, <laughs> they obviously went in a very specific direction. And I, you know, I don't see the purpose of him being re-signed in Atlanta unless his intention right there is to just sit behind Kyle Pitts, obviously. So from that perspective, I, you know, I think when you look at him, there's he, there's still some talent there. I think he can still be productive. I think he can still be a guy that kind of has like a back end, you know, tight end one kind of season again. And I think that he could do that in Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, you mentioned it's, it's one of those teams where, you know, they had the departure of Johnny Smith. And then we thought maybe Anthony Ferkser would step up a little bit. Uh, he came a little on towards the end of the season, but not to where... 
I think it'll warrant him being the main guy heading into next season. Um, Jeff Swain, you know, Michael Pruitt, unfortunately, I don't think any of those guys, you know, warrant being a tight end one for a team in Tennessee is going to have to invest in one. I think Hayden Hurst could potentially make some sense there. Well, you mentioned Anthony Ferkster, who's also a free agent. I'll kind of go through this list here, free agents, before we move it on to major. You got Zach Ertz, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gorkowski, CJ Uzama, Eric Ebron, Gerald Everett, Jared Cook, uh, Moelle Cox, Robert Tunyon, OJ Howard, Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram, David Nojoku, Mike Gusecki. I mean, who's not a free agent <laughs> at the tight end position? I just rattled off a yeah. whole handful, and I don't think I even mentioned Dalton Schultz, another guy there who's also a free agent that we mentioned earlier in the show. I mean, we've got free agent tight ends. Tyler Conklin, another free agent tight end. Every tight end seems to be a free agent here. Major, who's that tight end you want to see move on? Yeah, I'm going to go with David Njoku. Like, he has been lost in Cleveland for his whole career for the most part. And it's kind of sad because he's shown flashes of being dynamic. Like, when he's on, he's, like, really on. And then he's just, like, gone. So, if he can get to the Bengals uh, with, uh, I don't think they're going to re-sign Uzama. He's, I think he's touching 30 now. Um, I think he's going to want, he's at six mil right now. I think he wants a little bit more than that. Najoko's at two mil. Like you can get him for nothing and just get a dynamic athlete to pair with those receivers. I think that would be crazy. And then if you, Another team, uh, you know, my Chargers, you know, my one of my other favorite teams. If we can get Njoku down there with, with that arm talent in Herbert, I think that will be an amazing pairing. So look, look, look for David Njoku to like get an opportunity to make some noise because he's been lost out there in, in Cleveland for a while now. Now, for me, I think the best free agent tight end is probably Mike Gusecki. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, I think the Miami Dolphins find a way to keep him under contract in South Beach. But for me, let's be honest, the two best places I think a tight end could end up are Indianapolis and your Los Angeles Chargers, one of your five favorite teams. Now, Four, buddy, four. It'll be 10 by the end of the show. Now, for me, Zach Ertz back with Carson Wentz in Indianapolis makes a ton of uh, – it makes a lot of sense to me here right now. I don't think Arizona is going to let him go, but I would like to see Ertz go to Indianapolis back with Carson Wentz. I think that'd be a good little hookup there. But the other one I like now is Gerald Everett to the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, Evan Ingram would make a lot of sense there too. If he can find a way to catch the ball, I think he'd be great in that offense with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen. I mean, they'd be even more explosive with Joshua Palmer. But Gerald Everett kind of gives you everything that you want. We've seen flashes in Seattle. Another team that's probably going to be looking for a tight end, probably a quarterback too. <laughs> but Gerald Everett to the Chargers for me is a th something I would like to see in 2022. And I really don't see any of these tight ends stepping in from this year's draft class right away into a prominent role on their new teams. But Tara, who's that tight end for you right now who is likely the best of the group? You know, I think if anyone has the ability to, I would say uh, I would go with Trey McBride. Um, you know, in my opinion, when you look at him, you see someone who has the ability to get on the field and be reliable with his hands. He can be a good blocker. That's something that also gets you those early that early rookie action as well. And then he's a good route runner. So when you look at that, um, 
the, I think he's got all of the assets to come together as a well-rounded tight end. He's a good athlete. So he's somebody who, who could be that number one tight end off the board and could maybe step into a good situation where he might get some early um, rookie playing time as well. And Major, I'm going to head to you because this next guy, if this would have been last year, I think we would have heard more buzz around his name. But who is that tight end that you think could be the top tight end of this group? Yeah, I'm going uh, Charlie Co- Cooler. Cooler? 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 Yeah. I don't correct people. I would say Charlie Cooler. Uh, I think it's Cooler. Um, but we all love a tight end who played basketball in high school. He was teammates with Trey Young. Um, he's a big body, 6'6". Great hands, nice speed, good blocker. And he has one of those names that stadiums, you know, the tight end catch the ball in the stadium is like Charlie Cooler, Cooler, Cooler. Like the dude, you know, the stadium does. But most importantly, he reminds me of Kittle. Like he's like a maniac. He's out there. He's like hitting people. He's like jumping around. He's like the mascot for the team. I love those type of players. I'm grabbing him in every draft. So if you're drafting with me, don't be a jerk because you've seen this show. And you're going to try to take them from me, but I'm going to pick them up like maybe even like the third round, you know what I mean, in a rookie draft. So I'm happy. I'm trying to keep them a secret, but you guys took both of my top ones, but I went with my sleeper. And like you said, last year I had him ranked really high. I had him, I think he was like my number three uh, tight end behind uh, Jordan. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, I've been watching for a while because I was watching Iowa State games because they have a really good running back down there. And this guy just kept popping on off the off the screen every single time. So uh, look out for him to be one of those sleepers that um, come in and possibly he. I think he could make some noise right away. Well, Tara mentioned Trey McBride. He's a name we're going to hear a lot. Senior Bowl, right up to the draft. I think he's consensus number one tight end currently right now. I think Jeremy Ruckert, Sal Lito, favorite there. Another guy to keep an eye on at Ohio State, Isaiah Likely. Coastal Carolina product, another good one. For me, it's Jalen Widemere out of uh, Texas A&M. Good athlete, can catch the ball, can do a little bit of everything. But another guy to kind of watch, we talked about Pat Frermuth a little bit earlier. I get this weird Jake Ferguson, Pat Frermuth type vibe out of the young Wisconsin tight end there. So another guy to definitely keep an eye on. For me, though, it is Jalen Widemere, just a hair over Jake Ferguson. So that is where I've got my top tight end going into this class. Things are going to change. Things are going to be fluid. I think a lot of this will depend on landing spot, like it does each and every player each and every year. And we are about to talk about our dynasty tight end list here in just a second. Grab a quick drink. I mean, real quick, it's like literally 10 seconds before I queue up the next part. (laughs) Wet that whistle, sit back, and get ready for our top 12 dynasty tight ends. the top 12 dynasty tight ends courtesy of major caldwell way too major ff on the twitter it's tarot time on the twitter and myself it doesn't matter but here i am anyway we're going to break down our top 12 list starting with tara then major then myself and we are here to give you a little bit of insight talk about why we believe in these players how these rankings shape out 
And you know what? Maybe these are guys that you need to make sure you're getting because maybe you're a little high, maybe a little bit low. See where we're at. Maybe it'll help you kind of figure out where to go. Starting off with Tara. Tara, give me your top 12 tight ends and let's kind of kick it around here a little bit. Uh, you know, I wish I had kind of like maybe wrote out a script so I don't ramble on this. And <laughs> but uh, you know, for me, number one, I have to go with Kyle Pitts. I, you know, I, I'm gonna lean towards, you know, the guy who I know people were looking a little at that rookie season. If you were looking at the surface level, it wasn't what you were thinking it would be, but it was still fantastic for a rookie tight end. So in my opinion, when you're looking at him, I mean, I think the sky is the limit. Um, and I think the future is bright for him. So he's he's that number one guy for me long term in Dynasty. Um, and then after that, I'm, I'm giving the edge to Mark Andrews over Travis Kelsey. It was a little tough for me to go ahead and make that decision again. I'm going to lean towards age in that situation to give Mark Andrews the edge over there. Um, and then at number three, I have Travis Kelsey. Again, I talked about Travis Kelsey um, <clears throat> earlier in our tight end talk. And the thing about Travis Kelsey, um, who I have edging out over George Kittle, and my reasoning for that is, is that, yes, I know Travis Kelsey is on the older end of tight ends, but I still think that Travis has, he's got, I think he's got three good years left in him. And when you look at him, uh, lack of injury history, incredible consistency, and you compare it to someone like a George Kittle, who is slightly younger, but do I believe that I'm going to get more than you know three good years out of him with that injury history? I don't know. I think I would lean towards going with Travis Kelsey and still rather go with that short-term game and, and get you know a slight maybe one or two extra years out of Kittle, in my opinion. And then, of course, I'm going with George Kittle. Again, you know, incredible talent. Um, just a little bit shaky in terms of consistency. And he is a little on the older edge um, in terms of tight ends as well. And then I'm going with TJ Hawkinson. Again, um, I, I love Hawkinson. It's a little bit shakier of a situation there. So he's at my number five. Number six, I have Darren Waller. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're seeing a little bit of a drop-off here. In terms of production, Waller is somebody who his value has always been aggressive production, that Travis Kelsey type of production that we could rely on in terms of volumes and target. And I think that they're kind of leaning towards being able to rely on other receivers. They're obviously probably going to hit the draft and try to replace Henry Ruggs as well. So when I look at that competition for targets, um, in my opinion, it makes me bump him down a little bit more um, in the list. And then I'm going with Pat Fryermuth. Again, I've talked about some, you know, you know, next to Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's an incredible talent. The, this was a fantastic rookie year for him. And I just think that the future is very bright for him, regardless of where that quarterback situation is heading. Then I've got Dallas Goddard as well. I do think that he has a very solidified role in Philadelphia. Um, got age on his side as well. And then I head towards Noah Fant, who does have age on his side. But my problem with Noah Fant is that I just don't see a ton of consistency here that would make me bump him up much higher in the rankings. After that, I do have Dalton Schultz. I don't think that people have a lot of faith in Dalton Schultz and that this is going to be a disappearing act. Um but I think it's a lot different than let's look at it and compare it to like a Robert Tanyan situation there for Dal or for Dalton Schultz, in my opinion. 
Um, we saw a ton of volume for him. This is not a situation where it was an either or, where he was mainly getting targets and not seeing red zone targets, um, where he was mainly seeing looks in the red zone, but not seeing a lot of overall um, high volume in targets. He had a very good balance throughout the season, highly utilized um, in an offense where there is a ton of offensive talent. So the fact that he was able to stand out within that level behind CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, um, Zeke Pollard, just, you know, it says a lot. In my opinion, I do think they'll resign him and I think they'll move forward with Dallas, uh, with Dalton Schultz as their, as their number one tight end in Dallas. After that, we've got Mike Kosicki. I think that, again, he'll stay in Miami and have a good future there. And then I'm going with Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, I think, um, you know, I'm bumping him back slightly in the rankings just because I think there's a lot of guys that maybe have a little bit more of a track record, but I still think the future is bright there for him. I like that. I think the one thing you'll see is a lot of continuity between the R3 lists. I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot of disagreement of who the top 12, top 13 tight ends are going to be when it's all said and done, especially for Dynasty. I mean, the order changes slightly between each and every one of us, but for the most part, I think we hit about 10 of the same 12 in each one of our lists. Now, Major, you have Mark Andrews at one, Kyle Pitts at two. I have Mark Andrews at one, Kyle Pitts at two. So we just kind of flip those a little bit here from where Tara has Kyle Pitts at one and Mark Andrews at number two. So start off at number three, Major. Who's that number three tight end for you? Yeah, I just made a last-minute decision. I had um, Cal Pitts at three and George Kittle at two, but I just made a switch because I just it didn't feel right. So, yeah, I'm going George Kittle at three. I'm going Darren Waller at four. Uh, I like the stuff that Tara said, but I think that's actually going to help Waller out having more help around. He's not going to be quadruple teamed anymore. Um, TJ Hawkson had a really good connection with uh, – with 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 golf going into this year, yeah, he looked pretty good. He's been a little injured here and there. Pat Fairmuth, he's one of my favorite players. That dude was so clutch. When he made a play, it was always like a whoa play. It wasn't like he was just catching the ball and falling down. He was diving backwards, catching with one hand, like doing all these crazy feats. Um, and this would be the one I think is the most. Let's see, yeah, is it uh, the most different one out of all you guys here? Um, but I have Travis Kelsey ranked low and it's pretty much age. Like Tara said, he has two or three years left. Um, I, but, uh, this is dynasty. We're talking, I'm not drafting any players, not even just like tight end. I'm not drafting any player that's over 30 years old. Um, and then I want to know a fan here, uh, just because he is, the talent is there. Uh, I do think they have a lot of miles of feet out there. Um, in Denver, but if we can get a quarterback out there that's you know competent to run an offense, I think he have a good chance of being like the third receiver on that team. Um, and then I went Dallas Gobert. Uh, I I don't really he's not one of my favorites, but hey, everyone else like him, so I'm throwing him in there. Uh, Dalton Knox, he's I think he's going to build off of this momentum. Uh, I liked him coming in. I picked him up in a few of my leagues and and dropped him because I needed space. And now I'm kind of regretting that. So uh, Dalton, I think he's this this playoff run. I think he's going to build off that momentum and have a pretty good career going forward. And this next one, I kind of almost forgot about, but I was scrolling through Twitter and bumped it to my man's Matt Mustache, 
uh mustaches to have is that what it is what's the name of it matt those would be the dynasty must stashes there you go <laughs> i just like it because he has a mustache and is a must you get it is is clever um but i went with irv smith like he the talent is there and like matt said previously we want him to be good every year he's like the number one tight end that everyone's talking about and it kind of fizzles out but again, I, I think it may be quarterback related. I, I'm not really big on that quarterback out there. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then I go, I'm going with my guy, Tommy Trumbull. I'm a huge fan. Um, there's a few tight ends I wanted to throw in there, but I went with the young talent. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, I left I left Dalton Schultz off of mine because remember uh what's his name? I just forgot his name. You guys remember uh, Blake Jarwin? That I think that's who Dalton Schultz like. That's who he was like. He was the Dalton Schultz before Dalton Schultz. Like he got hurt, but now he's back. I think Dalton Schultz is going to be out because they have they have a Blake Jarwin. He looked really good before his injury. So uh, go ahead. I, yeah, I will counterpoint on that. On the I, y'all can call me the resident Dalton Schultz um, supporter at this point, since I'm we the are. only one uh, with him in my top twelve. And I, you know, I'm a true believer right here. But um, they were both active <laughs> at the beginning of the season. He's still, uh, Blake, He's still recovering. No, um, they were splitting time. They were splitting time, and unfortunately, he just. I mean, he just wasn't as productive. Um, Dalton Schultz made the most out of his opportunities. They literally had like, you know, probably about four or five games there where they were getting um, equal split time, equal target share. And Schultz was just more productive and better with it. And he literally phased out Blake Jarwin and then Jarwin got hurt. Um, He did come back towards the end of the season. But but yeah, you know, he claimed that all on his own. That was a he claimed it over Blake Jarwin. I, but if I Jarwin, didn't. if Jarwin didn't get hurt at the beginning of the season, we would not even know who Dalton Schultz is or was or whatnot. Mm, I mean, you could say the same thing about Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he came into Touché. existence. <laughs> you win this time. Speaking of winning, I'm going to give you the correct order of the top 12 dynasty mm. tight end assets out there right now. And it all kicks off with Mark Andrews followed by Kyle Pitts. I'm not going to debate whether Kyle Pitts should be number one or Mark Andrews number one. Either way, you are set. If you have either one of these tight ends, you're in pretty good shape. Let's be honest here. The biggest thing for Kyle Pitts right now is that tight, that those touchdowns that he has not gotten yet. That's not to say he won't, but I'm looking at an aging Matt Ryan. I'm looking at no other option the outside, where your number two option right now is Russell Gage. Kelvin Ridley, we don't know what's going on, if he's going to play next season. And if he does play, I doubt it's going to be with Atlanta. So that's for me, throws a huge red flag. I know Kyle Pitts is a different dog altogether, but I mean, you need a little bit of help there, especially down in Atlanta. So for me, he gets a little bit of knock there. George Kittle, for me, is number three. He's just as good as Travis Kelsey is, except he's a little bit younger. Yes, Kittle can disappear from time to time. We saw that with Brandon Ayuk, with Debo Samuel, and with Jawan Jennings getting involved there in the touchdown game. So we did see Kittle disappear from time to time, but I still love Kittle. Travis Kelsey still comes in at number four. He's old, but he is still good, and he's still getting the job done. You're looking at a tight end. I think he finished number two in fantasy points right behind Mark Andrews this season. And this was an off year. You finish as a number two scoring tight end, 
in an off year, yeah, you've still got a little something, something in the tank. At number five, it's Darren Waller. You throw him out there with Hunter Renfro. Give Derek Carr another uh, season there with this offense. Hopefully he returns. I don't know if that's the case. There's some rumors of him not being there. They've been talking about him possibly getting traded to the Giants. Maybe even some kind of a trade with the Packers bring Aaron Rodgers there. I don't know. It's all hearsay. That's what the best part about the offseason trade rumors is. You can believe 90% of it or you can believe 0.9% of it. And you're probably right either way. So let's be honest here as we move along. For me, at number six, it is Dallas Goddard. I love him. I love him married to a young quarterback there in Jalen Hurts. I'm a big believer. I mentioned that earlier about Jalen Hurts and what his talent is. So give me Dallas Goddard there. And at number, I think we're at number seven, or number, sorry, number eight here, I guess, Pat Frermuth. He also did what Kyle Pitts couldn't do, and that was find the end zone, even with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, he didn't have the same amount of catches as Kyle Pitts, but or the fantasy points, but he did manage to score touchdowns, which kept him with Kyle Pitts for most of the season as the top rookie scoring tight end on, in fantasy. So Pat Farmuth, another season there. He's going to be good. Dawson Knox, he's my next tight end there. Comes in at number nine. Really like him. Again, young quarterback, Josh Allen, likes to get the ball out to him. We saw that connection work multiple times this season. I'm a big believer in it. At number 10, I've got... Noah Fant stacking in here because I do believe they address that quarterback position in the offseason. I think they fix it. Jerry Judy, man, I hope he's not the kiss of death another season because whenever Jerry Judy was in the lineup, any pass catcher that the Broncos had absolutely disappeared, whether that was Cortland Sutton, whether that was Tim Patrick, whether that was Noah Fant. The only one who could catch passes with Jerry Judy in the lineup was Javante Williams. So, for me, give me Noah Fant there at number 10 because the Jerry Judy kiss of death, sleeping beauty type thing scares the crap out of me. At number 11, Lake Tara, give me Mike Gusecki down in South Beach there with the Miami Dolphins. He signs up for another year. Tua gets another year. I don't know, maybe they bring in Brian Leftwich as their offensive coordinator, Jalen Waddle. I love what this offense can possibly do moving forward. And at number 12, this was tough because I left out Cole Komet. I left out Dalton Schultz. And I left out Irv Smith Jr., who I really wanted to slide in, but I had to get in. Brevin Jordan, because I think the volume is key for him next year. I don't think they're going to be a good team in Houston, so I think they're going to still have to pass the ball for the next few years. That being said, eventually they're going, they're going to have Davis Mills under center again next year. I don't see... That changing. I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson is not going to play for the Houston Texans. It's not going to happen. Maybe they'll get Aaron Rodgers. That is also not going to happen. So for me, Brevin Jordan kind of slides in there at the number 12 spot because I really think volume is key, especially the tight end position, especially if you're getting in PPR formats there. And when Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins are the top two options of the passing game, that gives you some opportunity for Brevin Jordan to have a lot of success moving forward. Now, we mentioned all these names. All these names come up for us, but let's talk about some of these names for a dynasty that did not make the list. How about the number seven scoring tight end in fantasy football this season, Hunter Henry? Tara, why is he not on any of our lists? Like He's young. He's only 27. It- 
It's just so hard to trust him. <laughs> just very hard to trust him. Again, it was one of those things where, I mean, he, I want to say he didn't miss a single, which was good for him. I don't think he missed a single game this season, which kind right. of when you, when you don't miss a game as a tight end, it kind of automatically vaults you into the top 10 um, just based off of pure volume. But outside of that, man, I, I can't rely on somebody who is, consistently having one reception a game it's not even I mean it's it's not even kind of like a weird Robert Tanya well yeah no it's kind of Robert Tanya but even less um just incredibly unreliable from a volume perspective and incredibly touchdown dependent you just can't trust it moving forward unfortunately nine touchdowns in the 2021 season he was clearly all playing Jonah Smith who were we also don't have on our list and is not even a flirt with that list. But I think he had something like 50 catches, 653 yards, nine touchdowns. Not good enough to make the list. <laughs> now, Major, another tight end, not on any one of our lists. <coughs> Excuse me. Another tight end there. He's a little bit older, 31, but hey, we've got Travis Kelsey on the list. Why don't we have Zach Ertz on the list? I had Zach Ertz on my list and I took them took him off and put Irv Smith just because of the age factor. But he, I think he's gonna have a monster year if he stays in uh in 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 uh, Arizona. Um it seems like he had a connection with Kyler Murray and he to me was their wide receiver number two, you know. So um I don't know. I, I I like him. I don't know how much longer he has to play, but I, I do like him. Yeah, I feel he's got the same kind of bad vibe type feeling as Rob Gronkowski does, right? Gronkowski, 11 seasons. We don't know whether he's coming or going. Obviously, he's only, I think, 32. So Rob Gronkowski is not old, but mm -hmm. I think he's on that backside where we don't know if we're going to get one season out of him or he's done. I, I see what you did there. You said mm -hmm. tight end and backside. I like that. <laughs> um, side note again, the, the other thing about that is that his production was kind of like, eh. you yeah. know, no, granted. Um, I mean, he did he go through to UT, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have to adjust, but I mean, where he really had that uptick was when DeAndre Hopkins went out. So, that also kind of concerned me of like, obviously Arizona is, you know, Hopkins will come back, you know, Arizona is not going to move forward with like, you know, Christian Kirk as wide receiver one. So I think it's kind of a little bit different situation, even if he stays in Arizona. So going back to Gronk here, if we're talking redraft, is he in your top seven in redraft? Mm. <sighs> so we're talking about a tight me. end who finished as a tight end seven playing only 12 games last year. You would ask me a question where I don't actually have my rankings on this computer. That's <laughs> okay. I'm just going to just do the eyeball test. And I'm like, I think he's done. I like, I don't think he wants, I don't even think he wants to play. I think he's just doing <laughs> it for Tom. He's just out there collecting a check, and, but he's so good. It's just like, he falls into the end zone, but I have a really – I feel like he's done. I feel like he – I don't know. I think he was having too much fun when he was hanging out and just, like, wrestling and, and doing commercials and doing some uh, TV spots. I think he's – I don't know. 
I'm not. I don't think he's coming back. Okay, so, so I want to ask. Okay, go ahead, Tara. For me, yeah, he's a top ten in redraft, provided that he, you know, comes back and he's with um, Brady next year down in Tampa, which I I do think is the likelihood. I think kind of all this talk from Brady is just kind of the media pulling things out just to try and make a story. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, you, I mean, the, he still is just so incredibly productive when he's on the field. So yeah, provided he's back there in Tampa Bay, he's still an easy top 10, uh, redraft tight end for me. And then I got two more tight ends. I just want to touch on because neither one of these guys made the list of dynasty tight ends that we were looking at, at least not in their top 12. One we've kind of kicked a few times already, and that's Tyler Higby. Is there a path for him to become a top 12 dynasty asset at the position? I'm Major, out of I'm done. I'm I've done I've been with Higby the last two seasons and he's burned me twice. I'm done. I'm out. I don't care if he's wide receiver number one next year, you can have him. Terry, you feel the same way? Yeah, I don't think the path exists, unfortunately. Um again, I mean we you're looking at dynasty. Now I'm not as opposed to older um players as major who is a bit ageist over here. Um, but, but he's, he is 29 <laughs> and we don't have a, you can't a say that didn't do his name. Come on. You can't throw me under a bus and then do the same thing I'm doing. Like, come on. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just pointed out that, you know, just, com- <laughs> just comparatively, and we don't exactly have a, a history of him consistently being a tight end one it's happened once um uh so to be that age and only one time you've been able to reach tight end one and you're in an offense that has a clear direction in terms of how they're heading they're not going to be making any major adjustments and changing him to a significant focal point so no i don't i don't think the path exists especially when you look at those guys in front of him who have very very defined roles and paths with room to improve as well now, one more. We're closing in on the end of the show here, but I need to know, is there a path via free agency or not for a 27-year-old tight end out of Mississippi to get back into our top 12 tight end rankings where he was once early on in his career? And that's Evan Ingram. Can we see him sneak back into the, the, the good graces of fantasy managers? Major. How? He can't catch. Like, how? <laughs> like, How? I don't care if he has another quarterback. I don't care if he has, like, if they hand the ball to him, he just can't catch. Maybe he could get LASIK, and maybe that can help. But at this point, he just – he's a, a tremendous athlete. Looks great, runs out looking good. He just can't catch. That's that's the biggest problem. I mean, LASIK worked for Jameis, so maybe, you know. Or we. Um... Or we. You, mean, you, major, you mean Major's uh, bold prediction of NFL MVP at the beginning of the season? It was a, you know, it's probably one of his, you know, next favorite teams too. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Evan Ingram, man, that's kind of it's kind of even a worse situation than uh, than Higby. At least Higby's, you know, tight end one situation was, you know, fairly recent. It's been it's been a while for Evan Ingram, and it's been nothing but downhill since. So, unfortunately, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't see a change there. At least you got something, right? I mean, I <laughs> I really think that he could, if he landed with the Los Angeles Chargers, I think we could be talking about him a little bit different 
if that's where he ended up going. I don't think they would take a chance on that. But, hey, you know what? Stranger things have happened. Every year there's that one tight end that somehow gets it right. Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz. We weren't talking about these guys. Maybe we've forgotten about Evan Ingram. Maybe he could kind of rise through the ashes. Probably not. But, hey, I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. As we conclude our Dynasty tight end range. Before you leave, let me, let me show you my, my one of my taxi squads here. Can you see that? Uh-oh. Uh, I see Tommy Treble, I think, in there. And I don't know. Jordan. Brevin Jordan. Jordan. Come on, guys. Why am I leaning into the screen? You got me leaning into the screen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, well, it's. I'm glad to see the major takes our advice on the show every once in a while. So uh, I had these off. guys already. Don't do that. I already had these guys. I'm just good at this. No, we we're glad to contribute to your life. So, with that being said, <laughs> this has been the Dynasty Vipers Viper Cast, and be like major. And listen to me and Tara when we give out fantasy advice each and every week. <laughs> with that being said. Follow Major, way too major, FF. Catch him on Fantasy Points every Sunday doing their thing with Nick Script. And Tara, you catch her everywhere at It's Tara Time with Fantasy Alarm, Awesome Fantasy Pros, Fantasy something else. <laughs> Hit her bio up. It's all right there. You catch her everywhere. And it looks like she's going to be coming back with a little bit more fantasy here in the next couple weeks compared to the previous couple. So mm-hmm. stay tuned yes. for that. Plenty and of good stuff you coming. catch Matt everywhere. This dude is like grinding. He's throwing videos out there. I what was a hundred and what hundred and help me out, Matt. Was it a hundred and I don't even like talking about yourself. How many videos have uh, you done this year? I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It's like 176 or something since That's the beginning bananas. of the season. How many have you I done this month? I think we're about 28 so far for the month of Crazy. January. Matt is so, yeah, we're doing uh, that. Attention. Head over. Yeah, definitely check out the Vipers Network here on YouTube. All the videos are there. All the Viper Bites, all the Dynasty mustaches, and each and every episode of the Dynasty Viper cast with the three of us each and every week. We're coming at you, and we're breaking these up a little bit for your viewing pleasure. So make sure <laughs> to check those out. Get in those comments. Let us know what you think. Tell us who's right, who's wrong when it comes to our dynasty rankings. And we will see you next week when we kick off the Behind the Grind series with a special guest. You're not going to want to miss that. We will see you later. Take care now.